Good evening, everyone. It is so good to see you all this evening at either the start of your school year or nearing the start of your school year, depending on where you are located in the country. Um, you can see that we have opened up the chats, so please do feel free to introduce yourself, say what um, city you're in, not so much the district, but maybe city, state, and we can get a good sense as to where you're joining us from. My name is Elise Alter. I am the Content Development Manager for Sphere Education Initiatives, and I am so excited to be here with you all today to talk about our content, um, what's coming up, and how to help you feel as equipped and prepared as possible for either just engaging your students in really fun lessons throughout the year and also getting you started um, on through the new year that you have for your school year um, on the right foot. I am joined by my colleague, John Snowd, who is our educator engagement specialist. Um, I will let him introduce himself in a second, but I do want to just share with you that I am a former educator. I worked in middle school and high school uh, history classes, familiar very much with the um, scope of how to implement civil discourse and what you may be going through on a day-to-day -day basis. Something that's really unique about our Sphere team is that we um, have former educators on our staff. So we are really familiar with what you're going through and understand that and value your, not only your feedback, um, and your input on our content and how we do our professional development, but how to really best support you as well, coming from that background. So I'm gonna turn over to my colleague, John Snow, to introduce himself. Thank you, Elise. Hi, everybody. I hope you're having a great evening. Uh, I would love to see how many of you have started school already, or at least are in meetings. I don't know if there's a way you can pop your hands up, but uh, it's as Elise said, it's it just seems like every state is different. Even some districts are just different by days. But nevertheless, I will echo what Elise said. Um, we know what you're going through. And many times we even though right now I'm a year removed from the classroom, I feel like I'm going through it with you anyway, um, especially when you see all of the different changes that are going on in education these days and and some of the challenges that we all are facing. Um, I, and most of you, if I haven't met you, I'm sure I've seen you on a webinar or perhaps at Summit, and it's uh, great to have you all back. My job, as you know, is uh, educator engagement, which basically means to try to do outreach to all of you, encourage you to attend events, and more importantly, try to find ways that Sphere can support you, whether it be something virtually, whether it be something with materials through Elise, or uh, more importantly, bringing Sphere to your school. So that's what my job is, and I'm excited to talk a little bit more about that later. So at this point, welcome everyone, and I will hand it back over to Elise. Thanks, John, for that. And I'm loving seeing in the chat where you're all coming from. We really have a, a wide variety of um, places, and some of you are in that professional development stage of your back-to-school sessions where you're with your fellow colleagues. I see that some of you have already started or about to start. Um, those are always fun, those half weeks where you start on a Wednesday and then you have to figure out what you're going to do with the kids during that orientation period. We have some fun activities that you can implement with that as well. So we have people joining us from Puerto Rico. That's awesome. Welcome, welcome. So I'm going to go ahead and share my screen in just a second. Um, but before we do, I want to walk you through a little bit about what to expect tonight. Um, John and I are going to present uh, on our content and our professional development opportunities for you. Like John said, if you're alumni or you've attended our summits before, you've heard of us, maybe you've seen us at conferences, or if this is your first time, welcome. And we want to give you a refresher on kind of our purpose, our mission, and a little bit about what civil discourse really is. And then we'll get into some of the tips, tricks, and strategies you can implement at the start of the school year and what you can do throughout the rest of the school year and what to expect from us in terms of upcoming content. So with that said, I'm gonna go ahead and share my screen. And I will put this back up at the end. So that way, if you have questions and you wanna contact us at the um, after this webinar ends, we'll make sure that you have our contact info with our emails. So, so just a quick overview as to who we are as an initiative. Our purpose and mission is to support you in advancing civil discourse and fostering um, 
viewpoint diversity and free speech in your classroom, right? And we do that with a two-pronged approach. We do that through our content resources and through our professional development. So we support specifically teachers, educators, and grades, um, fifth grade to 12th. Um, we have a range of resources that support each of those levels. Some of them can be taken and differentiated for, let's say, first to a fourth grade level for the civil discourse skill building, social emotional skill building. But the core of our content and our work that we do is geared to fifth to 12th grade um, educator spaces. We want to equip you as the educators with knowledge, experience, um, professional development that is something that enriches you as a learner, as a lifelong learner in this field, and professionalizes the field because we know that you have so much agency in your classes and we want to really support you in exploring and doing that. Um, and then also with this purpose of bringing difficult conversations to the classroom where you really need a lot of support. Um, we've currently done this with over 6,000 educators that are in our network, that are alumni of our events, such as our Signature Sphere Summit that we do every summer. We host two of those conferences in DC. John will talk more about that later in this session. And through our conferences and Sphere on the Road uh, professional development opportunities. With our lessons specifically, we focus on helping you equip your students. Everything's uh, teacher-facing and teacher-informed, or teachers or myself create our content um, with the mindset of how do we best prepare you to equip students with the skills to engage in civil discourse through viewpoint-diverse conversations that are supported specifically by fact and reason, um, not so much what they've seen on TikTok, right? Not so much what they see on social media. We really want them to be thinking critically about the world around them. So all of our lessons are viewpoint diverse, nonpartisan, interdisciplinary. And when we think about the root of them being that civil discourse piece, we know that a core part of that is building in advance skills that help foster healthy habits of conversation in the classroom. So we really recommend as a really great start at the beginning of the school year, which a lot of you are at um, or are approaching, of checking out our document called the Principles of Civil Discourse Primer. We've mentioned this um, at some of our summits and some of our um, events that we've done in the past. So if you have attended those, you may be a little bit familiar with it, but just to refresh um, those who have heard of it, and to explain a little bit more about it to those who are new to it, it is a signature document that contains very targeted strategies for you in your educator space, whether you are an admin, a district a content leader, a superintendent, right? Different levels of administration all the way to um, new teachers that are joining the field. Uh, maybe they're even um, new teachers that are in their last year of their schooling that are in classes and want to just learn more about how to get this sort of expertise. It provides a wide variety of strategies for how you can start with yourself of understanding how to how you approach civil discourse in your own life, maybe with family, with friends, and then how you bring yourself to your school in whatever capacity you are in in the educator community. Um, as a teacher and administrator, and how you engage with civil discourse in your community, and then how you can implement that with your community at large and your students specifically. So we provide a really well thought out, broken down um, strategic way for you to look at these different sort of aspects of your life and how you can feel very confident in implementing civil discourse, starting with yourself and then getting it to your students or your teacher's students, if you are an administrator. So we look at this as the foundation of our content that we have. We're gonna show you some really fun lessons that you can do at the beginning of the school year and throughout. But what we recommend is always using this as a foundation. Turn to this as a resource where you can look to questions that you may have about um, home to school connections, how you support parents, how you may engage with students around really, really difficult conversations. Um, that you haven't had before, how you can just start from scratch with this. We recommend you start with this piece before you get into our lessons and you refer to it as often as you need. Before we get into just a little bit of a review around civil discourse and some of our content, we want to hear from you in the chat about what you think makes it hard 
to discuss contentious issues in your classroom? You know, what is one thing that is making it really tough for you? And you could be very brief in it, right? You could say it's maybe it's your administrative support. Maybe it's um, students that aren't, uh, they're disengaged. They don't want to share. They're afraid to share. You know, how, how does that look? And we would love to hear just some examples in the chat from you about that if you were comfortable sharing. Um, and if you notice that this has changed over time, if you're a new teacher, um, maybe you haven't seen the scope of this change so much. Maybe you've experienced it um, in, your, in your schooling. But if you are a seasoned teacher, you may have seen a very, a long sort of trajectory of change and how this has manifested of the state of really having good, robust conversations around contentious topics. So I'm going to give you a second to think about that, put it in the chat. I'm going to read some off and make sure that we are addressing some of your, your questions and concerns. Yep, definitely demonstrating lessons is fair and balanced. That's a huge part of it. Students aren't interested. Yeah, a lot of this is seeming familiar to what I experience in teaching. John, how about you? Definitely. Um, I think it's really interesting to think about if you're not a new teacher, think if you're a veteran teacher who's been in this for a number of years and just how much has it changed in the last 10? Um, how much has it changed uh, in the last two presidential election cycles, which we know have weighed heavily on some of the polarizing <clears throat> polarization that's been happening in the country. So just even think about how it's changed and how it may, has got, it may have gotten so much more difficult for you to run that conversation versus what if you had done this 10 or 15 years ago, what would that have been like? Absolutely. Yeah, students are afraid. A lot of the common themes. And so I hope that as well as you're looking at this chat as John and I are um, that you're thinking, okay, like, even if I'm in Minnesota or Michigan or wherever, I, I see someone else's experience in this in a totally different state. It's very similar. It is a common thread that we're noticing with students. Uh, yep, social anxiety, absolutely. They want to have a safe environment. Community has a chilling effect on teachers, right? A suppression of teacher agency. Absolutely. Thank you all for, for being candid and sharing those, right? Those yeah. types of concerns are what John and I look to and our team looks to to say, how do we continue to create lessons, resources, professional development opportunities that address this? Um, and when we created this primer, that was part of our um, way of attempting to do that, right? And, and to serve you in the best way possible with tips and tricks to address these concerns. And when we're thinking about civil discourse, right? It's, really important that we center the conversation around one definition. There are so many different definitions that I think we can come up with, but something that we look to as our um, guiding definition is from the University of Arizona from 2011, which is civil discourse is a robust, honest, frank, and constructive dialogue and deliberation that seeks to advance the public interest, right? So we're really thinking about how do we advance our democracy and public interests for our community? How do we have it in a constructive way? How do we make it robust, honest, and frank? That frank piece doesn't mean that you have to be extremely polite, right, of, of, of what it's not. And this is, I think, getting to the point of what a few of you had mentioned in the chat, which is students are afraid that they're going to um, be ostracized or students are afraid of how to articulate themselves. Students are afraid to come to the conversation and be their whole selves in the classroom. So I mentioned a safe environment. We say to students, well, bring your whole self to class. Part of that is helping students realize, even if you've done this year after year, starting the school year off fresh and having from class day one of, let's talk about discussion norms, build a class contract and talk specifically about, you know, what does it mean to have, and this is any subject, right? STEM subjects, arts, um, literature, whatever it is, around what is civil discourse and what is it not. Encouraging students to understand it's not just mere politeness, um, that they have to be you know, civil, but that doesn't mean that they can't uh, disagree respectfully, um, that they are actively listening, that they are talking about one topic at a time, that they are being productive, factual, and based on evidence. And evidence that is shared as as, as, a, as a truth um, it based in fact, right? Because we know that truth can vary between different parties of what they're talking about 
in a conversation. And that it's based on the responsibility of the participants to engage in good faith, right? So starting this from day one, even if you've, again, had these students year after year, it is so good to refresh them on this and to just show them this little type of side-by-side -side comparison. It'll help them and it'll help you refresh yourselves on this. This is also something that you may want to share if you're an administrator in your professional development phase right now with teachers, or if you're a teacher attending PD now or soon um, for your back to school weeks saying, hey, can we take five to 10 minutes just to talk about this and advocate for yourself. The primer provides some ways to do this. We're gonna to touch on it as well of, let's talk as a school community while we are here and gathered since it's so hard during the year about what it is and what it isn't. So that way we're all on the same page and have the same definition. And when you're on the same page, you have the same definition, it makes it really easy comparatively to turn back to it and to ensure that students have the same understanding. And all of it's rooted in some of the same skills. We follow um, the CASEL standards, which focus on key skills for social emotional learning and healthy habits of conversation. So these are skills that we want to model for our students. It's a great thing to model and start with um, within your professional development weeks. So think about active listening, connecting with others, stating perspectives, inclusion of all participants and respect. Again, this is our model of civil discourse skill building to get them to the point, students and even ourselves, to examining pressing issues. Um, we cannot hope to have a really good, robust conversation about a topic such as the death penalty or the criminal justice system, um, the reforms that are happening without having these core skills. So it's really important that we start the school year off with engaging students in these reminders, helping them recall it, helping them understand it, and providing an opportunity for them to discuss what types of norms they want to see within their classrooms at the start of the year. When you engage them as a leader in their class, each student make them feel heard. Don't have to tell you this, right? Like you can see that they feel more um, involved and more uh, driven to contribute, that they have a little bit more value and interest and investment. Um, and that's something that we want them to carry throughout the entirety of the school year. The same thing with colleagues thinking about how do we build a school environment where our students are not going from class to class with different expectations of what they should be having as a discussion norm around civil discourse, right? So something that you may wanna do is not only in your classes, but in your professional development, do your own school contract, or if you have a PLC or you are working interdepartmentally, Think about what are your rules that you guys have as a, as colleagues for discussion norm setting? How are you gonna model that for students? And then how are you going to take some of those key aspects that are similar, notice the similarities, and encourage your students to follow these specific sets of skills, um, or not skills, but, but these norms, and then have students build onto it. So for instance, this is a class contract that was um, provided from the courtesy of, or provided from the Responsive Classrooms website. And they do a lot of really great content around how you can have a, a strong responsive classroom, how it creates a safe environment for students and a brave environment for students, right? We want students to not only come into a classroom and feel like they can talk, but we want them to go into the real world and feel like they can have those same skills again. So having the same exact understanding with your colleagues, doing this exercise up front could be a really good strategy so you're all on the same page of what to do when your students come in to your classes. And if you've already done professional development, you're already teaching kids, still use this as an opportunity to do within your meetings that you have with your colleagues and say, okay, we're going to have these three same rules for our class or norms for our classes. So that way students know what to expect across the board, class to class to class. And then you can add on your own unique twists, right? We know that discussion norms may look a little bit different in a science classroom comparatively to a um, English classroom where you're talking about specific books within literature or maybe safety things that you'll have within a science class. But this is a really great way to engage your students 
and something that you want to start at the beginning of the school year. So that's kind of engaging with your students, but what about yourself, right? How are you bringing yourself to these conversations on sensitive topics? How are you contributing? One thing that we recommend, and we're not going to delve deep into, but we want to show you here, is thinking of the ways that you contribute to conversations on sensitive topics with an acronym, right? So if a student catches you in the hallway at the beginning of the year, you haven't even seen them in class, you haven't even hit that first sip of coffee before you get to your advisory and a student asks you, so what do you think about the indictments last week? Or what do you think about the Supreme Court cases over summer? And you have like five minutes before you're getting to your advisory, right? We know the students do this. Think about this acronym of AWARE and how you can engage with students or colleagues around these sensitive topics and then carry this through through your school year. So you want to assert yourself, assert your viewpoint, want to wonder about what is it that they're saying, their perspectives, except that you may not be able to change another person's viewpoint or um, and again, this is with students is a little bit more tricky, right? Because we don't want to directly share our opinions on something, but how to how to do this respectfully, how to respect the other participant that you're talking to and establish outcomes and goals. So if you're talking with a student about Supreme Court case um, or a parent asks you something, think about this acronym as a really helpful way to root yourself and ground yourself before you engage in that conversation because we can have really strong opinions on something, but it's not always our place to share that directly with the students. Um, and that's something that I know I've experienced in my classes when I taught, students came up all the time and asked something, it's like, oh, how do you kind of think through the best steps of you know, what we should be talking about? And then building a home to school connection. So in our primer, we offer email templates, we offer parent handouts, uh, because we know that at the start of the year, the last thing you want to do is have to draft an email from scratch. Maybe you're having ChatGPT do it. We want to make that even easier for you than ChatGPT, and you could just copy and paste this email template. Um, we want you to look at parents and guardians as a partner in your students' learning. We want them to see you as a partner in their child's learning. And when they see that, it can sometimes at the beginning of the year help you have at least some more grounding when things come up that the parent may not like, right? So let's say you're giving a book out. This is an example template of a specific unit or um, part of a curriculum during the school year. Let's say it's a book that's um, more controversial in your state. Uh, you can give it out, let's say an example I can pull from is Mouse. Mouse had a lot of controversy. Let's say it's in your curriculum. You can say it's part of our unit on Mouse or on um, whatever it may be, World War II. We will be discussing X during X dates, giving the parent the explanation, bringing them into the uh, collaborative conversation with you as to why you're doing this, and then letting them know that they can engage with you about questions they have. Right, we know that it is helpful to engage them. We don't want to avoid these conversations, and especially at the start of the uh, the new school year, you may send a welcome email out, but send also an email around civil discourse. Make it part of your your own habits of conversing with parents, um, or if you're an admin, send it on behalf of your teachers. Say we are going to be implementing steps, you know, one through three norms around civil discourse in our school community. We want people to be part of this, people being parents or guardians, and here's how you can support your child through this um, and yourselves and how you can model it for them. And it can create from the start a really solid foundation for um, parents and you to have a really good relationship throughout the year. So that's just a refresher around um, what's in our primer and how you can kind of think about civil discourse at the start of the school year. But we really want to show you how you access our content and how you can use those strategies that I laid out, some of those examples, when implementing our lessons itself, right? So we have lessons that range from topics on economics to human progress that are interdisciplinary to literature 
to really anything. Um, we have lessons that are interdisciplinary in the STEM fields, and we're looking into, um, as we go into our next 2024, 25 school year, providing some more that relates to those STEM fields. Um, but you can find some already on there, and I'm going to point some of them out for you tonight. But there is something for every, every class. So with that said, I'm going to go ahead and show you our website and how you access it. Some of you may be familiar with how to access our site. It is sphere-ed.org. So sphere-ed.org. And then it will bring you to this page. And you can see at the homepage different um, events that we are having uh, throughout the school year. We offer webinars um, that are free. All of our professional development is free. I'll let Sean speak about that and then new lessons that are coming through. So some of these are lessons that um, our teachers that have our, that our alumni of Sphere have created around economics and around literature, and then also around human progress. You can get information on our team and then bring Sphere to your school also on this homepage. When we go to classroom content, you can see, um, and I will also add here, we're adding more units. So in order to best support you and navigating our content, we're gonna be adding some more um, units here and broken down even further by topic and content level. So do stay tuned for that. But for now, you can notice that we have the different subjects and topics listed here in these different um, bars. And if you are just getting started with civil discourse, you can click getting started. And then on the right, you will see our three-part unit on the basics. So our primer, election tips and tricks, really helpful as we're entering that season. And then cultivating civil discourse in your middle school classroom if you are a middle school teacher. Again, our primer is related for any position that you're at in the educator community. And you can access that here. We have the um, ability for you to share out to uh, Google Classroom. We are adding soon the ability for you to share it to Canvas. And we also have Facebook and Twitter um, capabilities for you to share the PDF too. We will be adding a Google document um, capability soon. So that way you can download a copy of that or share that as well. In our lessons though, there are a couple that I wanna highlight for you as really great resources to get started with the school year. So we have our civil discourse and literature unit. And when you click onto that, you will see that it'll take you to a tab that introduces you to our five-part lesson unit on how to engage students in civil discourse within the literature classroom. But I highlight this because while it is for literature and it does have standards related to it, it has a full-fledged unit where you can pick different books. Um, there's a really great overview for you to see how the scope and sequence works and how you can take a book that you have to teach in your class and implement it within this unit. Um, this can be done in any class. You could do this within a uh, social studies class. You could do it with a STEM book. And I say that because it's rooted in not only the establishing values and norms piece, and this is the first lesson of it, but I'm going to scroll down here to this American Quilt Cordell activity. And the whole piece is about you as a teacher engaging your students and building class community and helping them see themselves through this activity called of windows, uh, mirrors, and sliding glass doors. So how do they see themselves when they are looking like, let's say, at a window versus a mirror? And it's just a reflection of their own perspective, like an echo chamber or a window where they can, they're listening, but they're not really hearing, or sliding door where they really open to those conversations with their partners that they're talking with about whatever topic, if it's an AP bio class, maybe it's about um, something related to do with biology, AP environmental science, it could be about environmental redlining, right? Depending on what it is that you're talking about, this is something that you can absolutely do. It's not only related to literature. So I do wanna point that out for you. The other content that we have that's great to do at the start of the school year are our Centers of Progress and Heroes of Progress lessons from Human Progress you can find 14 lessons that are around specific centers of progress that relate to articles that are in both English and Spanish. 
Um, and the lessons themselves are in English, but there's articles in Spanish as well that you can access that are on centers that have had some sort of major contribution to the progress of society. And then in our human progress for heroes of progress units, um, individuals who have contributed something really significant. And these individuals have been chosen based on some major, they've reached millions and millions of people in some sort of progress piece that they've developed. So this lesson specifically is on an enslaved man named Onesimus, and you may have heard of him. And I chose this lesson to show you because it involves public health and involves history. You could bring in some literature because there's some primary sources um, that we do have access to, which is really great, um, and that are mentioned in the lesson. And it doesn't require tremendous prior knowledge. So if you're looking for a lesson for the start of the school year that engages students in something really intriguing in your subject, this is something that's interdisciplinary and focuses on this individual who I should also point out we don't 100% know what his real name was, but his given name uh, by Cotton Mather, when Onesimus had come, or this individual had come to um, the colonies as an enslaved man, um, Cotton Mather gave him this name Onesimus. And what Onesimus had done was bring knowledge of the smallpox inoculation, not the way that we know it now of a vaccine vaccine with a needle, but um, at the time, the 1700s being able to insert the virus into, or the virus uh, skin, um, under the skin of someone that's not infected and try to inoculate them. This was done with George Washington's army. Um, there's some really cool history stuff there that you could talk about in any class. But this lesson is particularly unique, not only because of the topic of which it covers, but it really engages students in this thought of, how do I understand my region, my city as a historical place and situate its meaning in um, the timeline of human progress. And so our author of this lesson, Sean Kennard, had provided a really great video, not only on Onesimus and in Boston, but how you as a teacher can guide your students to do either around their own school or their own community. They could do this with partners, a really fun way to learn more about their city itself. Maybe if they can't get out of their classroom, they can do this on Google Maps um, and look up different parts of an area that they're in and learn more about their location, what it means. For instance, I'm in New Jersey. We're near a lot of the Lene Lenape um, reservations and trails, and there's a lot of history there. If you're in Florida, you may have some really cool stuff or any other state, right, and city. And so this is a fun way to get students working together collaboratively, thinking through how do we learn more about our city and our space? And also getting them having conversations that, you know, at the beginning of the school year will be lighter in terms of civil discourse, but building those social, emotional, um, speaking, uh, healthy habits of conversation, speaking skills, getting them to get sort of a good foundation for civil discourse. So when they talk about, let's say, an AP US history, enslavement, or they get to really tough trials, or it's in AP environmental science, you're talking about something really tough or public health, they've had this opportunity to build these skills in advance. The other lesson as well that's really fun is within centers of progress, we have a lesson, I'm showing you the student work document called Your Life in Numbers. And this is a great lesson to do at the start of the school year. And our very own John Snow actually created this um, student work document to pair with Sean Kennard's lesson on your life in numbers where it helps students see progress over time. They can interpret data that's interactive. They can work in pairs for this and they look at different periods of time to see, you know, is life getting better or is life stagnant in certain areas or is it getting worse? Overall, students will see life is getting better in many ways, and they can engage with partners around this by choosing different areas of the world to study and to look at. And it, again, is another lesson that doesn't provide um, the need for pre-work. You could do this day one with your students and say, we're going to, instead of just doing a basic icebreaker, kind of talk about what you think of in terms of if life is getting better, if you think it's getting um, worse, 
take a poll and then have your students engage with each other and just really learn from each other about this. Uh, John, did you want to add anything about your student? Yeah, this is, uh, we've been able to present this at a couple of conferences, uh, created a little slideshow to go with it, but the teachers who came to our session and actually dove into the activity and got into the assignment and was, they were actually playing around in the interactive parts of it, were just, the excitement in the room was, I mean, you, it was, it was incredible because they were just brainstorming with ways they would use this. And while it, it everything that we do originally lived in the social studies realm, you know, think about now how this could work in any classroom, uh, you know, comparing life, how much better I may have it than my grandparents did, or how my ancestors in 1955 had it compared to now, and maybe they were in Italy. It's just, there's just an endless array of strategies that you could use this in the classroom. I, I think it's phenomenal. Absolutely. It's a good way for students to get to know each other and their cultures. If you have a very diverse um, classroom or students that um, are, are really curious, like share that with them, even have them look at cultures that they are unfamiliar with, really have them get to know and become familiar with that. And the same thing with the rest of these lessons too. These are all lessons you do not have to have significant prior knowledge on. Um, they are aligned to specific topics and tags that you can see on the website um, as you're searching. So Scottish Enlightenment, of course, falls very specifically under world history, but the topics themselves, this lesson is a great lesson for arts and for literature. The same thing for um, Centers of Progress for Agra, very related to art. And you can get a glimpse of that by looking at those tags and those topics. So if you're searching um, on our site, you can do that by going to the classroom content tab, scrolling down, either typing in your tag that you're interested in, or looking for the date range, grade level topics, and advanced study APIB. Any lesson that's designated APIB is created by someone that has taught AP or IB studies. Um, and all of them are aligned to that um, course subject outlined for the AP guides. So for instance, our lesson on market failure versus government failure is aligned to AP uh, macroeconomics. Um, there's also other economics lessons that are related to micro, but specifically, we know that the majority of teachers are doing macroeconomics. We wanna make sure that you have everything that you need for that. Elise, so if I could uh, yeah. interject something, I'm gonna put Absolutely. in the chat. Um, Cato is offering um, a live event uh, you can watch online in October. I just put the link in there that deals with the, the release of the Centers of Progress book. I don't know yeah. if you can see that, but um, so if you're interested in that, um, I put the link in there for you. I think it's October 2nd. I believe so. And we can send that in the follow-up to this um, webinar. We can make sure that you have that information um and can join that and we'll send that out on our social media as well the book is fantastic it's the same articles that you have access to within the human progress lessons for centers of progress and next year the compendium for heroes of progress will come out so just a glimpse before we turn um or before i turn this over to john to talk about our professional development i want to kind of show you what's next so while we have a lot of content out there on economics and literature and other topics. We have a good amount of content coming through that is related to three of our overarching units. So foundations of civics and economics, principles of civil, civil discourse, and human progress. Within our civics and economics units, there's two things that are really, really exciting that are happening. We're going to be providing interdisciplinary economics lessons that are for middle school and for high school. We know that there is a need for robust middle school economics content that is relevant, that is relatable. Um, this will be using examples from the, the COVID pandemics. So students really understand and have um, experience with this personally within their, their lives to some extent, such as you know, a shortage of Purell or you know, different things that have um, roots within economic regulations and policies. And we want students to understand these connections and build them early on in middle school. So that way when they get to high school, they have a really solid understanding if they take AP economics or as they go through life because it is a core piece of knowledge that they should have. Um, our second piece will also be around criminal proceedings. So looking at how we um, 
explain this well to high school students, particularly in AP US and AP GovPaul. However, we will have one, one lesson that is coming out on criminal proceedings you could use in a civics class in middle school. So we are including some of that. In 2024, we will have interdisciplinary lessons on the Civil Rights Act in honor of its uh, 60th anniversary next year and um, the anniversary of Brown v. Board of Edu of um, the Supreme Court case for that. For our principles of civil discourse units, we're looking at providing you even more tools. So we're going to have a middle school level toolkit designed specifically for folks that are in middle school looking at continuing that social emotional learning um, from elementary up and leveling it up for students to feel prepared to engage in tough conversations. We're gonna have toolkits that are discipline specific for um, subjects such as science. And then within our Heroes of Progress and Centers of Progress lessons, we'll have new lessons that continue to be published throughout the year. So that way you have access to those to introduce into any class. Um, and we'll have lots more that come through, but I wanted to highlight those as a sneak peek for you of some of the exciting things that we have coming through this fall with um, economics and criminal proceedings. And then looking into 2024 of our civil rights unit coming out, some more discipline specific needs to, to meet your subject areas. And then this continuous development of human progress lessons. Elise, I thought there's a great question in the chat that you might just want to answer right sure. now about the criminal proceedings unit. Um, they're asking, it's Shannon Edwards is asking if any, there'll be any lessons related to juvenile justice. Yes, yeah, so it'll be um, an aspect of one of the lessons. We'll be talking about that. So the criminal proceedings unit will be broken down um, into two parts. We're gonna publish um, some lessons this fall and some lessons next year uh, that relate to overcriminalization, um, specific topics within criminal justice reform, talking about the basics, about trials, plea bargaining, and um, what the criminal justice system is and why that was a big part of our Bill of Rights. Part of that will be discussing this piece around juvenile justice, absolutely. That's a good question, Shannon. With that said, um, if you have other questions about content, I'll be happy to answer them. I'm gonna turn this over to my colleague, John, now to talk about, you know, you have the content, Let's say you are interested in bringing Sphere to your school. Um, John will talk further about our signature program, Sphere on the Road. Thank you, Elise. I'll try to be as brief as I can so that we can get to the questions. Um, but just a couple of highlights. One on screen right now, I'm going to ask Elise to give me the screen back in a moment. But you can see a, a, an image of the flyer there that is on the website. We started handing that out at events this year once it was published. Uh, it's just a, it's just kind of like a, a quick idea of what professional development can look like. So, uh, Elise, anytime you want to release the screen, I'm going to go ahead and grab it from you. <clears throat> I'm going to actually put that up there. So I know a lot of you, this is familiar to you. You've uh, is that showing up, everyone? It looks good. Okay, great. For many of you, this is old hat in a way. You've heard us give this talk before, but I thought it would uh, a way to bring some new light on it is is let's, let's talk more specifically about what this can look like. So these are just snapshots of what can happen. Um, I should tell you that right now we are in the throes of five new, actually six new professional development plannings that are going to take place as early as uh, two weeks from now, going through the fall all over the country. Um, including a virtual event, uh, a couple of virtual events, actually. And some of them are going to be exactly what you see here. Uh, we're going to do some two-hour workshops. Uh, in some cases, that's the only thing we'll do, but we also might do two of them in one day for two different groups. That's also a possibility. Uh, we've, we're working on a couple of half-day events that are going to be paired together in one district. We're going to do one in the fall and then come back and do something in late February. So there, there's just a, a numerous ways that we can do this. Um, this past year, Alan uh, did a couple of professional development opportunities where he went to two different schools. And if you were at Summit 2 this year, we, we had them up on stage. It was uh, the Windsor School and the Walker School, where he went to about three or four times to meet with their staff about building a better civic culture to get the students more involved. So there, there's all kinds of options. Uh, we have another one, and this isn't... The, my intent here is, is not to uh, 
brag, well, look what Sphere is doing. It, it's the opposite, actually, for you to think about, that sounds great to me. I think we should talk about bringing that to our school. We're going to do a five-part event with a school district out in uh, near Denver. So just many, many possibilities. I think John uh, Trampush is on here, uh, past president of the Alaska Council for the Social Studies, and we're in talks with uh, designing something that can be done virtually for all Alaska teachers. So a lot of options exist. And we just created this to give you an idea of what could happen. But the key is it is done in collaboration with you. We have, just to give you a couple of ideas on some of the topics that we're gonna deal with. Uh, we have a school that has a lot of concerns that the teachers themselves are much younger, most of the staff being 30 or younger, and they're concerned about uh, the staff not recognizing their own biases and not realizing that they're in influencing conversations that really should be student-centered. So we're going we're gonna to focus on how to recognize our own biases and strategies that teachers can take to manage the conversation without dictating the conversation or driving anyone uh, in any one direction. Uh, a couple of other events are going to be what is civil discourse, but then we're going to dive into a couple of different issues that are facing that local community related to a lot of the content that we have. For example, the uh, it always comes up, and it's definitely one of my favorites, our immigration package, especially with the new green card game that we we had advertised out on Facebook. That's uh, it's just it just keeps building out to a, a, another option that you have, and something that can be ongoing with your students. So we're gonna we're gonna do some presentations that are based on those lessons. Uh, human progress is another one that we're gonna take to some school districts as well. Uh, and sometimes the event is two hours of pedagogy. How do I do civil discourse? What steps should I take from creating norms to how to frame questions to installing topics, giving students the power to decide what topics should be had, all the way to what kind of conversations do we actually want to have and what can we do after? So it just depends on what the needs are in your school district or your school building or your department. Um, and then uh, scrolling to the other side is just a little bit more about what this can do for you. So I, I just wanted to share that with you first. And then I want to show you our most recent sphere on the road map, if it will load here. I think I'm overtasking my, my work laptop here. It, it's, it's slowly coming back up. Okay, awkward silence. Uh, so uh, I want to thank our colleague, well, uh, Scott Alford, who is on the on the meeting here. Scott's been taking a lot of your questions for taking the lead on getting this together uh, with our art department. So this is a snapshot of where we're going to be just this fall. Um, we're and I'm, I'm not going to bore you with every single event, but I want to highlight a couple, uh, several events coming up in Florida. Uh, we did send an email out to over 200 contacts in Florida today, and it's on the Facebook page that we have a special event for civics and government teachers in Florida or history, US history, because you deal with the Florida civic literacy exam competencies. So we're doing a special mini summit on September 8th and 9th. It's a Friday night, Saturday. Uh, and much like a sphere summit, we're offering a stipend. There's going to be meals, free materials, books, speakers and panelists, and chances to collaborate and build out lessons and discussions that surround those competencies. We're also going to be presenting at the Council for Economic Education in Florida this fall. So Elise has been so busy rolling out all of this different content. The exciting thing is, is that we've been telling you that, that we're going uh, across the curriculum. Well, now we can prove it to you. Uh, we have three different conferences this year where we've been invited to present our ELA content. And we're super excited about that. It's not highlighted yet, but the state of New York's English Council just invited us to present. We're going out to Montana. Uh, I can't wait to see the Grand Tetons in Wyoming. Um, and, uh, and we've also got Virginia was just added that invited us to speak. So that content is really rolling out there. Alan and I had the, the good fortune of being invited to go to Appy this past spring, which is the association of, uh, I'm drawing a blank here, uh, economic education. And we, uh, we, we were able to sit on a panel and talk about what's happening in economic education at the high school level, even though a lot of the folks there were higher ed. And it was good for them to hear what's going on. So just a couple of things for you to, to get to see what we're doing. Lastly, I want to have you get a glimpse of this is this is our working calendar for Sphere on the Road. And, and basically what you're seeing here is 
let me uh, expand this down a little bit here. These are all the different events that we have coming up with, with our team here. So just in the month of August alone, you can see tonight's webinar. We did a, a social studies chat last night. Um, Alan and Scott will be at the State Policy Network. Um, I'll be in Minnesota. Uh, and then when we get in September, you can see there are multiple events going on that our team's gonna be divided up. So why am I telling you this and showing you this is because if you would like us to come to you, I would encourage you to act as quickly as you can uh, because we do have a limited size team and it would help us to get things on the calendar. And be thinking about doing this after the first of the year too. Uh, doing things in January and February are always great for us. It's a less busy time. Once we hit March, March looks very much like October. Uh, it's very, very busy. As you all know, that, that's when a lot of your conferences are. So just some things to share with you about Sphere on the Road. Um, the last thing I would do is, is ask you, remind you how you can make this happen. So let me pull this down here for you. Ah, okay, so if you go to the website and just click on professional development and get to this page, you can see eventually this webinar will be posted on a professional development, but just click Sphere on the road and let's bring Sphere to your school. Send me a note. I'll get alerted to this. If, if I don't see it, Alan will, and, and we'll be in touch as quickly as possible. So that's all I have. I will turn it back to you, Elise, and I think we're ready for some questions. Maybe we're ready for some questions. We got some really awesome questions. I see some that are, uh, I'll just point out just really quickly, like more targeted around where are some of these events city-wise um, that are getting answered in the chat. If we don't get specifically to your question about where specific conferences that we'll be at, please do reach out to us. Uh, we'll put our emails in the chat right before we end. And you'll also have access to that in the follow-up email that we have. Um, we will definitely be at the Nashville NCSS conference, um, and we are going to provide you information as uh, those conferences come through as to, you know, when we're presenting and what we're going to be doing. So I'll just uh, flag that. John, we got some really great questions in the chat. I see that. Both uh, here on the road and content. I'll take really quickly this, um, this last uh question around partnering with parents. Um, can you access electronic copies of the template? The template itself for the email, if you go to our website, sphere-ed.org, and then you go to classroom content, when you are in classroom content, click that getting um, started with civil discourse, you'll see our primer. And what you will click is the home to school connection. And in that home to school connection will be everything you need, such as the email template, um, conversation templates for phone calls, you'll see that in there. So I wanted to address that really quickly. Um, and then John, do you want to touch on our audience size limit? Yes, I can. Um, I'm just answering the question. I'm so sorry I drew a blank. It was the Association of Private Enterprise Education. So for Appy. Um, we don't have a hard and fast rule, but generally we like it to be at least 15 if we're going to make a trip out um, and incur the costs of flights and hotels and uh, bringing materials and whatnot. So that's just kind of an unwritten rule that um, Alan has arbitrarily thought up and we've been sharing that out recently. We have had that question come up. So that's a great question. Um, we, and don't forget that virtual is always a great option or a combination of virtual and in-person. Uh, we will be in Nashville, you already said that. Um, so CEE is in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, uh, September 2123, we'll be there. Uh, we'll be in Columbus, Ohio twice for the Social Studies Conference in October and the National Council for the English Teachers in November. Uh, 120 teachers, phenomenal. Bring it on. We would love to come and do PD for you. Uh, when we get to events that are larger, the thing that we start talking about is obviously we don't want 120 people in one room for two, three, four, or an all-day event. So we're going to talk about doing breakout sessions. We're going to talk about bringing more of our staff and or contacting a lot of our partners in civic ed or related organizations, depending on the subject, to come and do some things with us. So no, 120 is not too large. Um, like I said, bring it on. Uh, yes, Sphere will be at Texas for the council. Uh, a Sphere speaker is definitely speaking, the one of the co-authors of Superabundance, which I have right here with me. It will be Gail Pooley. Um, 
And someone asked about Georgia. We will be in Athens for the Georgia Council for the Social Studies. Uh, Montana is in Billings. Uh, that is a statewide, all educators, all grades, all subjects conference. So they tell me about 3,000 teachers converge on Billings. And how they do this in one high school, I don't know, but it's going to be quite a show. Uh, we're doing four different presentations there covering all of our different content themes. Elisa, did I catch them all? Thank you, Kyle, all the ones for the Sphere on the Road piece. And again, if you have questions about that, please do reach out to John. Um, we got some really good questions around implementation of civil discourse. I mean, one was, our district is big on restorative practices now, and I'm, I'm reading from my screen over here, but our teachers feel it has been poorly implemented. Has restorative practices been a topic before? So some of the um, tools and strategies that are within both our principles of civil discourse um, primer, and then our uh, principles of civil discourse and literature units offer some aspects that are rooted in restorative practice. What I will note about this is they are not incorrect. Your teachers are absolutely on point of, it is often poorly implemented because the training is not there. This is why it is so imperative that at the start of the school year, you are taking the time, um, if you are an admin, to think about how are you going to scaffold this throughout the year of training that works for teachers. Um, if you are a teacher and you are bringing this to your school or you wanna bring it to your classroom, that you are taking the time to say to yourself and set realistic expectations of, I am going to start with you know, these three things at the beginning of the school year to share with my students and then to build and embed these practices throughout the year. So that way it's not as much of a shock for your students, not as much of a um, troublesome thing for you to implement yourself and to learn. It's as, as if you're learning a whole new subject, right? Restorative practices require practice on your, uh, for yourself, right? In the same way of uh, having civil discourse with your students, you need to be able to model that yourself and with your own friends and family. Building restorative practices within the class and thinking about behavior, thinking about different challenging situations, um, you wanna have that from the start of the school year. So Amanda, being that it is overwhelming, you wanna just think about how do I start this for 2024 to 2025 school year? Have those conversations now with your administrator, or if you are an administrator yourself, or because you're in that funny you know, spot where you have to deal with the teachers and you have to deal with the district level officials and advocate on both ends, say to yourself, how do I build the case for this now at the start of this year, pull some examples, build a little focus group and encourage teachers to do this and say, you know, we're gonna find ways to build this out now for the following school year. So that way it doesn't suck up A, planning time and B, that they feel that they are involved in the practice of this, uh, not, not just the practice of this, but the planning of it. Mm -hmm. So 100% has been a topic before that we've talked about. It, there's some aspects of it implemented within the primer in a way that makes sense, where you don't have to do the full course thing, but it is something you need to implement properly. I do know that we are almost at time, so I'm just gonna quickly address this one um, last question here around, I had a little bit more success with warming the students up, having them express opinions by going to sides of the room. What are your thoughts on these types of classroom practices? I think you need to know your students best. You may have a lot of shy students at the start of the school year. We're maybe doing a poll, a digital poll, instead of having students go side to side and you know building even more of a visualization for students on their polarization may be helpful and then warm them up to doing that. Um, and we really want them engaging with conversation too. So have them start building those practices of just engaging in conversation with each other rather than only the side to side thing. But if it's working for you and your students like it, 100% do it. You know your students best. Um, for big personalities in one class, um, very quickly in the primer, we have some good tips around this of how to make sure all students feel included and how you can manage that. Highly recommend reaching out to us if you have specific questions. Related to this, we are here to support you, both myself and John, um, around content and professional development. We are both former educators. Um, Scott Alford, who's on our, our webinar as well, Alan are also former educators, right? We have experience. We are here to support you with anything that you need. So uh, I, I'll just answer two quick questions that I, I missed. One, uh, I believe Lois McMillan asked, uh, when it comes to getting speakers, yes, we... If you have speakers that are local that you're or in your state that you think would be interesting, we're happy to reach out and contact them. But you are not obligated to 
to do anything other than let us know what you need and if you want to help us plan out what the day can look like. Um, and there's, of course, as we like to say, there's no cost to you or your schools or your districts. This is something that is supported uh, by our donors who believe in supporting you. And the second piece is, I believe Matt asked about sessions with the kids. So um, this is a great question. As a rule, this is... Uh, we focus on teacher professional development. That being said, we've done some student facing events, but generally that only is if it's attached to an opportunity to present to your staff. So making a special trip just to do a student event is not something that we do. Um, that's not what we're set aside to do. That's not what the design of the program was, but we're happy to do it when it fits into the schedule, if we can make it work. Absolutely. Um, with that said, I put our emails in the chat, ealter at sphere-ed.org and then jsnode at sphere-ed.org. We will be sending the follow-up email to this webinar with your certificates and also information about our content. Please sign up if you're not already subscribed and you can get more information about webinars like this, where we bring on different speakers for different subjects and also talk more about what is happening within our Sphere Education Initiative. So thank you so much for attending tonight, taking the time to do this. We wish you the best of the start of your school year.